It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. My guest is impressionist comedian Gordy Brown. He's starring in Lasting Impressions at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas, Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30. For ticket information, go to Ticketmaster.com. And for everything about Gordy Brown, go to GordyBrown.com and you can follow him. Now take notes, folks. You can follow him on Twitter at Gordy Brown, on Facebook at Gordy Brown Live, and on Instagram at Gordy Brown Vegas. Gordy, welcome back to the show. Hey, Ira, appreciate you having me on. Always a pleasure. You are always funny, and you are always working on your show. Have you added some additional impressions for the new show and your return to the Golden Nugget? Yeah, well, I have a lot to say from the last time I was there as well, because I had been working on a bunch of stuff, and we had opened for, I guess, six weeks, but then we were, uh, like everyone else, shut down due to the pandemic. The short of it is, yes, I absolutely do. From then and also uh, working on some, uh, I've also put in uh, recently Pearl Jam, Macy Gray, and some other surprises. So, yeah, always working on it. And I understand you're also working on doing an impression of the United States Senate. So that's a lot of, that's 100 people, but I think you could do it. (laughs) Each senator has a unique personality and voice, and I think you could nail it. It would be very interesting, I think, to try. What what is it you said? The Senate? Yes, the United States Senate. Yeah, just sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. I'll work on my snoring. <laughs> it's the same go around and round we go again. I don't think I ever asked you this, but from your point of view, not the audience favorite, but from your point of view, what's your the most fun impression that you do that for you is fun, I guess I should phrase it. I'm having a lot of fun with Gilbert Godfrey, it's one of my favorite guys to do. <laughs> He's always got some good angles, and and when so when I when I um, learn these impressions, I kind of take on their uh, their persona. I have this tendency that I think I'm feeling the way they're feeling, or or their sense of humor comes through. It's so, almost you're but, inheriting their persona, right? I guess that's the much better way of saying it. <laughs> well, it's just something that came to mind. I, I yeah. always wondered whether you did this or not, and if you didn't, maybe here's a great suggestion. And uh-huh. uh, Well, in my opinion, it's a great suggestion, but of course, it may not be. And that is, every time you do a new impression, send a little audio file of that impression to the new person that you're doing, so they're aware that you're doing it. If they live out of, obviously, of Las Vegas, or they don't know your complete act, they may not yeah. realize you've adopted the, their persona. Yeah, well, I, I'd have to tr- spend some time tracking them down because a lot of them, when they're on Instagram and they don't follow me, then they're not receiving my message. IMDB. IMDB. Yeah. I got something for you if you want to listen to it, you know? <laughs> I, so I just think, because here, my thinking is this, Gordy is that they would be complimented by your impression. And number two, they because every performer has an ego, they would want to see it in person. So now you've got an extra ticket sold. Yeah, that's definitely a good idea. That I'll, I'll take you up on that. All right, I'll fair enough. It. Just go yeah. to IMDB Pro, and you can find out where they are, and you can email it to them directly. Just an idea. Oh, nice. Nice yeah. little trick there. Yeah, why not? Why not? That one you're having fun, which is uh, Gilbert Gottfried. What about 
a one that is maybe an audience favorite, but one that you don't really like doing, but you do it because you appreciate the fact that people like you doing it? Oh, that's kind of like Louis Armstrong. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. I guess Louis, but there's some that don't hurt my voice as much. <laughs> uh, let me think. Oh, you know who I'm having a hell of a time learning is Norm MacDonald. That's a tough one, sure. But he's yeah. a fellow Canadian, so you shouldn't have any problems. No, I just, I'm trying to get, nail it even more. Hey, uh, hey, you ever, uh, you ever put on a shoe, you know, it's not even your shoe, you know, and you look, you look down and before you even notice you're already in the car driving to where you're going, you know, and, hey, uh, so I'm still working on that one. Well, speaking of Canadians, we have a whole group of Canadians that have become part of the town, the Vegas yep. Golden Knights. So hopefully you're working on your flurry impression and others. A bunch of great Canadians there, that's for sure. Yeah. I could see you doing a flurry impression, not on the ice, of course, on stage. Hey, Gordy, you got to stop eating, uh, you know, the donuts, but I know (laughs) that they get 12 donuts away every time they get the shutout. So so you got to be careful on that because they look around you at your waist and they know that I'm doing a good job at the net. <laughs> Stopping the puck. Now, there's a perfect example of what I said earlier. If you add that to your act, then you just send the Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, the message that you are now doing impressions <laughs> of half their team. And they'll, hey, come, they'll come and see you. They'll tell their fans. They'll come see you. So it, it would I'm be gonna great. I'm going to hire you for marketing ideas. <laughs> That's really good. So you got to build on top of stuff like that. What's uh, the hardest impression that you have had to work on and then you conquered you 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 mastered it, but it took a while. Oh well, in my mind, it was Gilbert Godfrey because I had actually made a tape of how terrible it was, and I actually said into the tape, "Now, if I get closer and closer with him, then I'll know that anything is possible." And it was about <laughs> three weeks later, I was like, "I want you guys to go to my dot com site." And let me know if I can do a voice for you. Um, when I started to get it, my, my, my wife was next to me, so she was very annoyed because she wants to be warned when I go into something that loud. Absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, she's jumping off the couch. And it's I don't like, think what Gilbert ever that? whispers. <laughs> he doesn't. He does One have a different... One of my favorite comedians, though. <laughs> he does have a different voice in reality. I've heard it. Oh, he does? Yeah, I yeah. I know that. I would love it if he was on uh, even more things that you would see that just come out of the blue, great commercials and stuff. So I think the voice is so unique. Yes, I don't think anybody else is quite doing that. Yeah, one one of my favorite comedians. When you do start working on impressions, as you said, your wife would like a little warning when you're going to be shouting out someone that has that kind of a voice. Yeah. Does she give you honest feedback if the impression's not 100% there yet? Oh, yeah, that's why I think we're still married. I I appreciate the honesty. You know, my first wife is the one that inspired me to learn impressions because she kept saying to me, "Um, can you be someone else? (laughs) So I turned into Antonio Banderas. And then was able to save the marriage for a couple of more months. Yeah, but then you had to let it go and just go. Then I let it go. But uh, my wife and I have been together uh, 18 years yesterday. Amazing. Yeah. There's one thing I've noticed about you, Gordy, and I'm surprised that you don't do an impression of an American. What I mean by that is this. You do have a unique voice and accent because you're from Canada. 
Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that if you can do impressions of all these great people, you could also do an impression of an average American. So when you talk, people will think you're actually American, as opposed to what does he do? Is that Midwest? Is that Canadian? Is it yeah. what is that? I'll take it to New York and let my dice clay come out. Because <laughs> it would be interesting to do a Gordy Brown doing an impression of Gordy Brown as an American, and so yeah. it's a whole different. Uh, like almost a well, flat if I was accent. in Texas, I'm sure I'd adapt that accent real quick. <laughs> you become what my what surroundings are. Do you have in the house a little studio or soundproof room or closet that you can mm-hmm. go so you don't annoy your wife when you're practicing and you're rehearsing? I think it was the first thing she requested I build. Yes, <laughs> I think it works yeah. out well. <laughs> I have a quiet area. Sometimes I forget to close the main door on that and and i work at i always keep elvis hours in terms of when i'm always awake which is during the night and so i'll have the headphones on doing some studio work and there goes that door i can hear it open she'll give me a look before she closes it again (laughs) or slams it it down look (laughs) or slams the door right yeah no she never gets mad not that way I mean, I just mean slams the door in the sense of letting you know that, hey, you're doing this again. Oh, yeah. No, that's what the look's for. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> we make the eye contact, and I'm like, whoops, go ahead. <laughs> moving, moving, really... from, moving from the epicenter, though, do your neighbors ever hear you talking loud or doing impressions? At I've, heard, I've heard that they do. Like, I have a park area in front of my house, and some neighbors that walk the dogs during different hours. So um, they've been at my show and maybe meet backstage. And I remember one of the neighbors commenting on, I heard you working on a whole new Elvis when you were, when I was walking my chihuahuas. <laughs> so luckily your neighbors are friendly in that sense. So yeah. They're able to understand why you're doing all of this. Yeah, very lucky with that. <laughs> Great neighbors. What was the first impression you did? And how old were you roughly when you did it? Were you in high school, in college? Where was the it? first one? I believe was John Wayne, and I think probably because I saw Rich Little do it. I think that's what that was it, or maybe because I saw a lot of John Wayne movies as well. Well, that guy was one of my favorite actors of all time, La Duke. And I remember when I learned Elvis, I was also trying to learn guitar so I can back myself up musically, and. I would be at school, I was 16, and our cafeteria was overcrowded, so we had it in the, uh, our lunchroom was also in our classroom. So I would start playing guitar, but I didn't really play. I only knew one chord, a D, and I'd sing every Elvis song on it, and I absolutely would clear the room every time. <laughs> People couldn't wait, to, <laughs> we couldn't wait to eat their lunch. But I was in a bubble. I had something to do and pursue, so I, I really was in my own little world there. And a lot of people don't know your background. Well, I say a lot of people. Some of our listeners may not know your background, but you, you began as a political cartoonist before you got the entertainment bug, and that was after winning a local talent contest. But clearly, all of that was in your mind if you're in the lunchroom driving people away. Yeah, well, when I became an ed- editorial cartoonist, I would be drawing... Uh, like Ronald Reagan, and I would hear his voice in my head starting like to criticize the too much hatching or, can you make my nose a little smaller next time? (laughs) 
Easy on the chin. <laughs> hey, I, I just... <laughs> you're overdoing the hair. <laughs> yeah, he had great, great, great hair. Another idea I was just thinking of, since you were a cartoonist, a political cartoonist, but in addition to sending the audio clip of the new person you're doing an impression of, you could also send them a cartoon drawing of them, too. Now, look at that combination. Yeah, in the beginning, that's how I met certain celebrities. I would meet, I met Rich Little that way. I presented them with a drawing. This was before I was doing impressions. I met Michael Jackson that way, presented them with a drawing. Tina Turner, Lionel Richie, because they would come and play through our area of Ottawa and also Montreal, which was a couple hours away. So, so you already um, had that, that in a, you. A, yeah. Yeah, a great experience to um, meet some of your heroes before you... Um, venture out yourself. No doubt about it. What was the best piece of advice you got? Rich Little heard my show and he said, be yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. <laughs> uh, of all the voices I do, be yourself, Gord. Now he was a tremendous and still is great mentor of mine and always, always am grateful to that man. Every time I have you on the show, you mention him and you salute him. And I think that's great because he had such an influence on you. Yep. I was at front row at his show. I bought tickets. I knew um, we, he was he had lived in Ottawa as well. And I went alone and he shook my hand at the end of the show. But during the show, I was so blown away of how he was doing the different voices, adding the great comedy. And then the curtains opened up to a live band. It was just really wonderful. I was like, this no. is amazing. So I inspired. Yeah, and he, I think, probably gave you some ideas on how to interact with the audience and also the fact that, you know, sure. when you meet people backstage, their memory of you is not just the show, it's whether they see you before or after the show and what your reaction to them is and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. It's all, uh, it's all about giving them a show with different peaks and valleys and, and surprises, and there's a lot to a performer that can put his tools together and deliver, and, and it's been always a growing experience all the way along. Well, let's take to a, this day, and I still love it. Let's take a break. My guest is impressionist comedian Gordy Brown. He's starring in Lasting Impressions at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas, Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30. For ticket information, go to Ticketmaster.com. And for everything about Gordy Brown, you can go to GordyBrown.com. Follow him on Twitter at Gordy Brown and on Facebook at Gordy Brown Live and Instagram at Gordy Brown Vegas. He's all over the place. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more Talk About Las Vegas with Ira in just a moment. Are you struggling with housing issues, mounting bills, or other legal issues? Legal Aid Center of Southern Nevada offers free legal assistance in many areas, including free classes and ask a lawyer consultations. Go to our website for more information, including how to apply for services visit www.lacsn.org. Now let's get back to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Welcome back. I'm talking with impressionist comedian Gordy Brown. He's starring in Lasting Impressions at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas, Fridays and Saturdays at 730 for ticket information, go to Ticketmaster.com. And for everything about Gordy Brown, go to GordyBrown.com and follow him on Twitter at Gordy Brown and on Facebook at Gordy Brown Live and Instagram at Gordy Brown Vegas. And I should point out that Gordy is spelled G-O-R-D-I-E, not G-O-R-D-Y, because if he was G-O-R-D-Y, he would be running Motown. 
<laughs> or something like that. Anyway. And he'd be filthy rich. <laughs> and he'd be filthy rich, right, exactly. <laughs> when was the point, when did you know that you were destined for a career in show business? What I mean by that is people start performing, you were a political cartoonist, you, you caught the bug, you started, you won a local talent contest, you were opening in Los Angeles soon for Jay Leno and Louis Anderson and Randy Travis and Barry Manlow and Kenny Rogers, you joined Celine Dion on her North American tour, taking chances. So you, you're in the milieu. So when was that first inkling that, yes, this is going to be my career? So I was in a play in school. I was 16, and I got the lead role in West Side Story. And we did our opening night, let's say on Friday. And immediately, the moment that the show ended and, and uh, there was this wonderful ovation i was totally hooked and after the show people wanting pictures and autographs and i was totally hooked that i would be in entertainment i didn't know if it was going to be in acting comedy or singing and that's when the next uh, light bulb moment was that rich little show i'm like that combines all the different elements so that was i think i was about 23 when i uh, 22 or 23 when i saw rich and that was the second light bulb moment. So 16, then 23. But I always was talking about it, that I'm going to be an entertainer from since I was 16. Yeah. And in West Side Story, after that performance and you received an adulation and they wanted pictures, et cetera, was it a combination? And I, and I mean this in an objective way. At that age, was it the combination of the adulation and stroking of the ego and also the connection that yes this is what i want to do because there's this passion here yeah well it's the satisfaction of moving an audience so it was all of that combined all at once was something that you never want to let go of it's like a comedian who gets his first laugh well i'm going to go back to work because i want to get my second and third because it feels so uh rewarding to make make someone laugh so i have that inside of me that I love to give to an audience and the feedback is incredibly um, rewarding and magical. It's interesting that it is a controlling issue too, meaning you as a performer, whether you're a singer, comedian, impressionist, and you're all of that too, but or an actor, you are controlling the response and emotions to some extent of the audience. Now, true, a comedian will say a joke and sometimes the audience won't react or parts of the audience won't react. But by and large, you are, in a good way, I'm using this term, you're manipulating the audience to respond. Well, that's what entertainment is. <laughs> yes, exactly right, yes. But yep. it, it, I never, when you mentioned about controlling the audience, I guess you do, and you, there's, I don't know if it's a sense of power, you mentioned a sense of satisfaction, but it's also a sense of being able to motivate people to go this way versus that way. Yeah, the artistry of, of a performer is able to move their audience along the thread of, 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 of the line of what he's putting out there. So it's about, you know, and you don't get in control for, you know, it takes, it takes time to, um, to be able to, develop your your um, abilities to be able to do stuff like that you know i think elvis learned it right away <laughs> yeah just just concentrate on my i'm a voice i'm a lake man <laughs> <laughs> well last week i had david goldrig on the show and something he mentioned about magicians i think applies to you as well 
mm-hmm. talked about his skill is in not showing his skill. As, as a magician, you don't want to show how you do these things. As an entertainer in general, such as you, you don't want to necessarily show how you make that work so the audience goes in the direction you want them to go to. Well, I can imagine that it's another angle that you can either develop and bring to your audience in the way that you want to present it, but I've never really actually thought about it that way, you know? I've just gone after what impressions I think they'll enjoy, and then what's the angle of comedy that I can even add to it if possible to add, you know, even more entertainment to it. When you're re- uh, entertainment values, so sure. When you're rehearsing, and that that's the work part, and obviously the performances work too. But I I want to differentiate between those two, those two areas. When you're rehearsing, you're concentrating, you're doing all this stuff. When you walk out on stage, you're in a different mode, aren't you? At that point, in other words, you yeah. are confident in the material, you are confident in yourself, and so you are more, I would think, relaxed, and therefore you're in touch with the audience a lot easier than if you were to be in rehearsal mode, so to speak. Yeah, well, there's something that happens there as well. And even every bit of preparing, you kind of, when you do take the stage, you have to let that go. And then you have to rely on whatever has been able to stick is going to be there. And because if you concentrate too much on what you've been rehearsing, if you do it to the point where it's not as real or that whole magical type of thing that happens with the audience, I find it so much better. Let it go. See what it, hopefully it's all there. And if it's not, it's almost like a sink or swim mode and you'll get brilliance out of that, that you never would get in your room rehearsing it a million times. I've rehearsed things thousands of times, take it to the stage and then completely think of a whole new ending (laughs) while I'm on stage. And I'm like, that never happened once in rehearsal. It's just strange that way. It's magical. It (laughs) is. It's awesome. But don't you think it's also spontaneous in the sense that even though you have it all rehearsed, you're allowing yourself to be spontaneous because you're on stage. Yeah. And then the creativity flows again and you pick up cues from the audience and from yourself. Being open. Yes. So I find that you do have your act to do, but you're, you know it enough to be open to, to receive other messages, you know? Sure. Other creativity. It just doesn't end in your room. It only actually starts there. The bass is in the room, but then when you go on stage, that's where the magic happens. That's the most magical and wonderful thing I find. That's, that's how your one hour and 50 minutes flies by because you're spending that whole time in that special universe connection to your brain place, you know, and, the, and vibrationally you want to connect as, as, as much as you can, but it's not something that I don't know. You know, it's not something I, I'm, it's something I'm aware of, but it's not something I knew was part of it only over time. It's part of the that, creative process. Yeah, that yeah, it's really, it, it's um, it's amazing in that um, part of the magic too is the what the, is the audience oneness with you. That makes it even more vibrationally in tune somehow. It's interesting because David Goldrake said it in a different way, and he said it as one heartbeat. Everybody comes into the theater 
with different heartbeats going, and he, yeah. as a performer, wants at the end by the end of the show, everybody has the same heartbeat. You're saying yeah. almost the same thing in a different way. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm not as skilled <laughs> verbally, but that's exactly what it is. It's it's uh, I'll put it to this way: it's uh, tuning a piano, and then you finally can feel the notes lining up more, where there's more of that wonderful vibration tone that takes over. When you're in that zone on stage, Gordy, and let's say something doesn't work, in a millisecond, yeah. do you make note of it or do you just keep going with the flow and at the end of the show, review what went on and maybe there's an audio tape or videotape you look at or you talk to somebody that has seen it on staff or in the crew and they will tell you, oh yeah, this didn't work, this did work, this was much greater than the last time, blah, blah, blah. In other words, for reviewing the show, do you do it as you go on stage or do you wait till after the show so you can stay spontaneous? Hmm. I think when you, when something doesn't work the way you want it to, it's like a string breaking. Dink. <laughs> but I don't, I kind of, as I've gotten, you know, more shows behind my belt, like, I guess what I do is I, I, I don't pay too much mind to it i almost have the answer right away of what i did wrong so i just know what to do the next night it stands out like that mm -hmm. but the correction comes pretty much right away oh my i know i stepped on my own timing oh i i know i didn't wait for the drums first and then do the line you know so it's almost a timing thing or or i said i said the punchline in reverse or something you know right so it's you'll you'll make that immediate fix for the next night Got it. Not Got not it. even needing to be rehearsed because I guess you break a string and it's so you're so aware of it that the fix comes immediate. It's so obvious, yeah. Yeah. Does your wife, because of the fact that she, as you say, she suffers with all your impressions at home, do you have her come <laughs> to see the show once in a while just to see how it looks on stage? And will she give you feedback on that as well? No, I guess that's not really where our our relationship. Is that, <laughs> is that, isn't that Eric? Because she doesn't come to see the show a lot. She's, she's in bed by like eight o'clock and that's when I'm more on stage and, uh, and alive. We just have that opposite thing. Right. Where I have an assistant that might come to the show and we'll talk about it on the way home or during dinner or something. So I'm, at least I'm, I'm, I, I used to have my guitar player with me at all times or as much as I could and my best buddy. And then we would talk it over all the time. My wife is not really in that world. Just, understood. It's just the way it is. Right. No, understood. She gets enough of you at home anyway, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like I'm no big deal here. <laughs> Before I let you go, last question, and that is, are there new impressions that you're working on that are almost ready to be introduced, and you would you like to share them with us? In terms I guess of I'm always looking for more. You know, I know I'll do something with Mike Lindell and the pillow because he invented it. <laughs> That's true, he did. <laughs> my pillow, I invented my pillow. I'm working on a Joe Biden. I got a, I got a one shotgun. My, my, my son Hunter has one shotgun. That's three shotguns. <laughs> Not good with numbers, I've noticed. <laughs> Still, uh, Trump goes over fantastically and... Uh, Jack Nicholson's ready to win another award at any time. <laughs> and Al Pacino, hoo <laughs> They're always, uh, you want to get them to a point where they're right on your sleeve and you can, 
you can grab Adam at any time to help help you through a, a bit on stage or reinvent new things for the for the audience. I love to perform and very grateful that the audience keeps showing up. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been impressionist comedian Gordy Brown. He's starring in Lasting Impressions at the Golden Nugget Las Vegas, Fridays and Saturdays at 7.30. For ticket information, go to Ticketmaster.com. And for everything about Gordy Brown, go to GordyBrown.com. And you can follow him on Twitter at Gordy Brown and on Facebook at Gordy Brown Live and Instagram at Gordy Brown Vegas. Gordy, thanks for being on the show again. Oh, you bet, Ira. And hope to see you at the Golden Nugget anytime, okay? Will do. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Anything you want us to do.